Hi, this is Nick Kuja, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan Jones, and to my left is Roy. It's still a happy day. It's it's weird happy day. I, you know, I, I was listening to the Intelligence podcast on the way over here, and I didn't under I didn't reckon I recognized the voices. I recognized HJ and I recognized Marver, but I didn't understand how the uh, how happy they were, and uh, they weren't uh, drilling holes in uh, and easily drilling holes into the pod race. I was listening to the Kept Faith. And where where Nick McCann was going around town talking to all kinds of people, yeah. and it was just he was basking in the afterglow of the whole Machado thing. But what I'm happy for today, today's the day after Chris Paddock Day. Yes, it is the day after Chris Paddock Day, where if you didn't see, um, I found a hat in, my, in, in the large office where my boss and I shared this large office. Uh, there was a cowboy hat, and I saw it. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I saw that picture. And that was so stupid. Bo- I, I took the picture. <laughs> literally, my boss turned in, walked into the office, and I'm like, it's a long story. You won't understand. Just go with it. <laughs> yeah, it got me thinking. So you know how well, how Paddock wears a suit and a cowboy hat Hell yeah. on his starts? Hell yeah. I'm, and, you know, Angela and I, we sit by the bullpen. Huh. I'm tempted. I have a three-piece suit. I don't have cowboy boots, and I, I don't have a cowboy hat. But I'm tempted to at least go get a cowboy hat and on his starts to suit up. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised, and that might be a way they can... Hey, a cowboy hat giveaway. Uh, oh, um, yeah. A sheriff, you know, uh, someone called him the sheriff. I really think that's going to stick because he is sharp as a sheriff. I don't know why he's a sheriff, but, you know, that could be a giveaway thing. Like a, maybe a, a jersey that's a suit with his number on it with paddock on back. Oh, um, yeah. Just maybe I should work for the Padres. I don't know, but that, there's just so many things you can do with that. But let's, you want to get right to it? Because I had all kinds of other stuff written. Let's get right about, to it, because okay. that's the big news of the day. <laughs> the big news of the day is Tuesday, all eyes were on Chris Paddock in a spring, uh, spring training debut, uh, and he did not disappoint. And he, pounding the zone with mid-90s fastballs, several chains up, mixed in a curve. The curve was like, what the? the hell was that yeah that thing bent it was incredibly slow it was yeah it was a loopy curve and it, i i saw people saying that the delivery looked just a little bit different so maybe if you were a trained hitter you'd see that it's coming right but at the same time it's it's an okay pitch right now yeah it's not a garbage pitch so no. it's something that he's been working on and with time is going to get better so yeah. you've got a fastball he was spotting that pat fastball in the corner jesus like a like a sniper out outer half inside inside black did you see austin hedges quote after the game yeah he said something yeah. about how you know i don't i don't want to get in any trouble but and he pretty much hinted that he wants that guy on opening day. And then today's today's tweet t- uh, tweet quote was like, "If that's what we're gonna expect, wow! Like, it's wow." Yeah, he wow. said it was the easiest game he's ever caught. That's what that's what he said. Yeah, he uh, he didn't have to move his glove. He was hitting the spots all. So now I was watching. He was just missing, especially on that inside corner. Yeah. He kept trying to hit that inside corner against lefties, and he was just a smidgen inside. So I'm wondering if he's calibrated to a minor league strike zone. And I've seen articles that they talk about that, like the, how the zone changes as you go up through the minor league levels. Absolutely. And it gets tighter and tighter. And then once you get to AAA, it shrinks a ton. And then major league, it shrinks even more. Well, also, it's also spring training for, it's also spring training for the umpires as well. Because I saw a few of those pitches, I'm like, 
Damn, that's good. But Hedges said that it was a major league zone. Oh, okay. All right. So he was on. He was on. But yeah, it's just he needs to recalibrate himself a half a ball closer to the plate. And then those are strikes. Well, and I tell you, once he gets his name out there, once he starts getting known in the league by the umpires, not just the league players, by the umpires, they start like this kid always hits the spots. He's really good. That's like, true. You start getting those. Like Maddox used to get these incredible strikes that were on the, on the black. That's why they called him the professor because it was on the black. Because the umpire's like, yeah, Maddox threw that two-seamer. Of course it's a strike. Yeah, that two-seamer right on the inside part of the plate. You see the the batter's knees buckle a little bit. And then zip right in there for a strike. You know, and it was just, uh, I I, I was at work when I had to come home and watch the game. It took me a minute to notice, but I noticed how pitch, ball goes back to him, set, pitch. That's true. Ball goes back to him. He works fast. He was working fast. Yeah. And... Major league, major league team, major league baseball is going to love that guy. That's uh, true, you know. And also, the position players love it when a guy works fast. Oh yeah, they 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 don't like it. Steve Traxel when you're a you know you're a walking living rain delay, uh, then you throw a pitch, it, you get you get uh, not bored. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, your 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 defense stays engaged. Yeah, yeah, absolutely engaged, and it allows him to stay in the zone. It allows hitters to not get comfortable yeah and so when he's up there boom 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 you know uh and that was huge uh and just twitter was just like and, and here's the thing about that it's like everyone's like opening day starter like, of course we want him to be opening day starter but it's not gonna happen uh but that's okay and it's just i, I was just it's the excitement that we have as a fan base has just been exacerbated uh, God, I hope I said the right word, and my wife will tell me if I didn't, and hopefully maybe someone <laughs> on Twitter. But it's just been expanded with the arrival of Machado. And you know, we got Machado. Now we got Paddock. Oh, Tatis is hitting bombs. It's World Series champions already. Well, you know? I, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But, yeah, I mean, everybody's excited. I, we're excited about baseball in February. When was the last time that, that people were looking ahead to a baseball game in February? Yeah. The buzz before yesterday's game, I mean, people were like, oh my gosh, I'm glad this game's on TV because I'm tuning in. Yeah. Um, so there was an article that uh, PitcherList.com put out an article that was called GIF Breakdown, Chris Paddock's Spring Training Debut. I highly recommend that everybody go out there and take a look at it. He went through pitch by pitch and broke down Chris's entire performance. You might have saw some of them on Twitter already. They, he did tweet a bunch of those out. So the one that that was my favorite, there was a strike three to end the inning, and it was a fastball right on the inside part of the plate. And it was before the ball even crossed the plate. It's like everybody in attendance knew that it was strike three. Right. And he started walking off the mound. I mean, it's the the swagger, the confidence that he had. Was that and, the one to Aguilar? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm got it all right here. It's uh, I'm no no. I'm it was in the second inning. Um. I'm almost there. God, he has every pitch. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it's wow. Was it Manny? No, Tyrone Taylor. Oh, I must have scrolled past it. There's that curveball. That- Drops a curve. Yeah, it was fastball on the inside part of the plate. Anyway. Check it out. There's a gif in here just about every pitch, and he talks about the location and the action on it. Um, the one that impressed me was the changeup that he threw to Grandal. 
because he threw a fastball high to Grandall, and then he threw a changeup, and the, you see the pitch start on exactly the same line, and then it just drops down about a foot and a half and with a little bit of fade. And I don't know how Grandall didn't swing at that, but he's known for having one of the best batting eyes in the game. Right. So most hitters would have swung at that and looked like a fool. You know, and and there's some learning curve there. They're not even with the with the uh, with the come was not the comeback, but a throw to first base, which yeah. was, either could have been Allen or it could have been his. I think that was on Allen, um, because he, he, he was thrown over to first. Yeah. He was trying to pick the guy off, and then next thing you know, Allen Craig's six feet off the bag, and so he turns to throw, and Craig's not there. Yeah. So there was a communication breakdown. Yeah, yeah, it's an E one because he threw it, but still, I, I think Craig would tell you, yeah, I should have been covering the bag on that. You know, the only time he shook off hedges, he gave up the double to Moustakas. Yeah. So that, A, I can appreciate, you know, you can take it just two ways. Like the rookie, you don't be shaking off the major league catcher. You know, he knows the hitters. He knows what he wants to do. He knows what he wants you to do. Um, B, I'm Chris Paddock, and I'm going to, I know what I can throw. Or, you know, there's a little bit of learning curve there, but uh, you listen to your catcher. You listen to your catcher. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he'll get you through the game. So I, when I was driving home, I was listening to Chris Ello and Tony Gwynn Jr. And they interviewed Chris this morning. Yeah. And so he talked about that stuff that he went and did some PFPs this morning. Um, and that he, the mistakes, he learns from his mistakes. Yeah. That he knows what he did wrong. He's going to try not to repeat them again. And that's all that you can ask. We all make mistakes. Just don't make the same mistake over and over. Well, that's used to be teachable. Just, yeah. Just to be coachable. Uh, and you know, obviously he knows he's a minor league player and, and he's coming up and he has lots to learn. And that's a really nice and humbling thing to say, but to be able to like hear him go, yeah, I need, I have a lot of work to do, a lot to be done. I'm not finished. And I think even through his whole career, any major league player, they're always working on stuff. They're always trying to get better. And those that don't get dropped off, you know, they fall by the wayside. You know, those guys that don't take the off season serious. And, uh, you know, they don't take spring training serious and they just think they can go in and get their work done. And I'm just happy to be here. You know, those guys are going to get passed over and we're not going to put up with those guys here on the Padres. No, he's he's Chris Paddock has the work ethic and he's got the chip on his shoulder. <clears throat> he wants to disprove all the people that are saying, well, he can't be an ace because he only has two pitches or whatever. He's he is here. Dude, so the-, <laughs> the question is, will he make the opening day roster? How are the Padres going to manage his? Is there going to be service time considerations? He's going to be on some kind of an innings or a pitch count limit. How's all that going to work yeah. out? Um, so and there's different opinions on that. I'd like to see him in. I want to see the team use as many of his innings at the major league level as they can. Yeah. And to me, there's no sense in having him make half his starts in double A AA or triple A if he's going to be a legitimate quality pitcher right out of the box. Absolutely. Um, and, but you can, you could do that with, so he goes to, starts in the minor leagues at uh, the beginning of the season, four starts, five starts. That's what, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. But that's also going to be like 20, 25% of his total workload this year. Not if he's pitching five innings a game, not if he's, on a, a minor pitch count, maybe a ninety-five, maybe ninety. Well, he was on. It was it was eighty-five last year, so I'm thinking they're going to bump him up to a hundred a game. Yeah. Um, but then and that's they're going to yeah, and then he pitched ninety innings last year, so it's reasonable to think he might go up to 120, 130. So that's going to spread out over like maybe twenty, twenty-two starts. Yeah. Whatever. It's going to be interesting to see. But one way or another, the guy looks legit, and it was an amazing debut for him. Absolutely. Put him in the Hall of Fame already. So you uh, saw the other thing that happened yesterday in yesterday's game. Ugh. 
You mean the laser? The that laser frozen beam. rope? Yeah. Um, what I loved about that is when he hit it, I mean, it looks like a double off the bat. Like you look at it, like, oh, that's a good hit. Oh, it didn't slow down. It, it just kept stop. going. <laughs> and but he was out of the box running. Well, he thought that it was going to be a double off the wall. Yeah. Yeah, and by the time he saw that it was uh, you know a homer, he was already around in second, and it was you know, slowed down. I like that. I like that hustle, and uh, you need that from your young, young, upcoming, high prospect. You need to show, uh, you need to show right out of the box. Hit the ball hard. Start running until you know it's a home run. Mm-hmm. Start running unless you absolutely crush it. Then you can admire it. Then you can stand there and flip it up into orbit a little bit. <laughs> well, and here's another thing. That was a game, win- well, not a game winning, but that, that took the lead. That yeah. homer took the lead. Yeah. And you're talking about the one in the Dominican Republic. No, no I'm talking about the one that he oh, hit at the pattern. yesterday. So, okay. and here's the thing about that. It's like, it was, it gave us the lead. Yes. And then what happened today? Yeah, today. Today was a game tying home run. Yeah, and sure it was off maybe some you know the ninth inning mop up guy that's just getting some work in, um, but it's the moment it needed to be done. Like that's what you want to do in that moment. Yeah, and he hit the you know it was on his front foot and he just went over the fence, but he got it enough to hit home run. Yeah, the one today it looked like he had to go down and get it. I haven't seen the angle from behind the pitcher to really see what the location and movement was on the pitch, but right. it did look like he had to. Off his front foot, kind of reached. Maybe it was low and away. They flipped at it. Yeah. The one yesterday, that was belt high. That was a grooved fastball. Oh. That was a mistake pitch. Yeah. But if that's what he's going to go up looking for is I'm going to punish a mistake pitch. And if he can learn how to stay away from the, you know, curveball sliders down in the dirt. And you saw like it was not yesterday's at bat, the like his second at bat after the home run. Um was slider like slider 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 swing 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 yeah really good slider don't get me wrong mm-hmm. and and we know there's going to be that adjustment period but it was you know those really nasty sliders that he swung at and he struck out so there's going to be that swing and miss but we have the home runs we he will make those adjustments his dad said before you know during uh, Dominican league that he will have problems with the off speed and breaking pitches, but he'll make the adjustment. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't? Dad, why did I, why did they send me home? I couldn't hit a curveball. Yeah, <clears throat> Joe Boo can't hit a curveball. Joe Boo cannot hit a curveball. So uh, let's go back. Let's go back to Monday because we didn't talk about Monday and friend of the podcast. Yeah, sorry, Donovan. We got I got excited. I had to skip God, ahead. I, there's just there's so much to talk about, and it's spring training. And we will say this, like it's spring training, and none of these stats count. But what it does for me, it gives me a window into what could be what he's supposed to be doing. Yes, it was a grooved fastball middle in. You're supposed to crush a, a grooved fastball middle in. Um, but he did. And he did on a frozen rope laser beam. Uh, just a God, like a laser. Um, Nick 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 Margevich. Nick Margevichus. Nick Margevichus. Sorry, I had it coughed up a second ago, and I got a yeah. acid reflux. So he got so- the start on Monday. <clears throat> he got the start on Monday. Yeah, against John Lester. Against the someone. Cubs. Now, if you guys remember the the episode that we talked to him, we asked, "Who do you look up to? You know, who do you like to you know model your game after?" He mentioned John Lester. He did because he was a lefty. Yeah, and dude, he did great. He uh, he went against a pretty solid Cubs split squad lineup: Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Jason Hayward, Wilson Contreras. Um, and did really well. 
He did fantastic. <clears throat> to, be, to be able to go two innings without giving up any runs is great yeah. by itself. But it was only one hit. Uh, what? Three strikeouts? Yeah. And a walk. Wait, no, he didn't. Did he give up a hit? I don't think so. No. I didn't. I don't think he gave up a hit. Nice. I did look at this. Yeah. Maybe I was just looking at what was important to me. What was the two innings pitch? Three Ks and no, one ball. Maybe, maybe John Lester gave up a hit. Maybe <laughs> that's what I saw. But regardless, fantastic debut. Yeah. For a, what, 22, 23-year-old 22, kid? 23-year-old. Who's never pitched above single A. Yeah. Who, and once again, continuals, you know, continues to impress. He just continues to impress. You know, he did pitch that one game in double A. But anyway. Yeah, but he pitched against that one game in double A was against the Corpus Christi Hooks, which was the top offense in double A. Any seven innings, three hits, his only home, his only uh, run was like a home run in like the third inning, like yeah. right away. Yeah, but that didn't, that lineup didn't have Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras and Chris Bryant. Right. And what uh, I read somewhere where it was maybe the bats were a little slow because it's early in spring, but he's thrown up some curveballs that they couldn't hit either. Yeah. I, I don't care what time of year it is. When you've got right. guys like that stepping in the box right. and you're putting them away, you're doing something <laughs> right. Right, a guy had just touched double A. Yeah, so and he's not on a top prospect list. Nope. He's kind nope. of an under-the-radar person as far as the, the national media is considered. Yep. But then he's making a name for himself right now. So good for him. When he's asked to, he performs. Also in that game, friend of the podcast, Ty France, hit a bomb. Yeah. Woo. I. It's worth noting that Ty France opened up his spring training. How? By getting hit by a pitch. That was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking about it with Angela because we had that game on, and then what do you know? He gets hit by a pitch. And there I, he goes. You know, we, we you know we I, we texted him to hey, good luck, have a good time, and he's like, "Who's this?" I'm like, "It's Roy and Donald from Friars on the Farm." He's like, "Oh, thanks, man, appreciate it." <laughs> I should have texted him back like, well, "It just won't go away, will it?" This it, anyway. there's got to be some combination of his stance. Maybe he crowds the box a little bit. But then he doesn't get out of the way. It's right. coming in, and you take it. Yeah. Yeah, until the umpire tells me to get back in the box, I'm going to take that base. That's a lot better than striking out or rolling over on a grounder. I'll, I'll take a base on balls or, uh, you know, hit by a pitch. Yeah, so absolutely. Let's go back to a Paddock's uh, pitching line. It was two innings pitched, one hit, one base on balls, and four Ks. <laughs> so the, the walk, I think that's because the umpire was holding a tight zone because it looked like Paddock was hitting his spots all yeah. the time. It's just his spot needs to be brought in just a little bit, and he'll be right there. Yeah. Well, and to think of that zone, I'm kind of noticing it with Luis Urias, where he took a called strike, called third strike. It was yesterday or the day before. And I noticed that uh, last year, in the small 12 games that he got into, he's taken those close borderline pitches, and he's taken it for strikes, where I would suspect maybe in the past, in minor leagues, they were balls. And that's maybe where he was getting his high on base percentage uh, because he, you know, those close pitches that he wasn't going to bite on, they're being called the strikes in the major leagues. Mm -hmm. So I, I see the correlation, a little bit of growing, a little bit of development with these young guys and getting used to that major league strike zone. It's a major league strike zone. So every, every spring, and, and we're just going to go right back into it. Every spring, there's always that one guy who just, who, who is that guy? Yeah. What's that guy's name? Where do we get him? Uh -huh. um, and his name is Alderon. Ad Adderlin Rodriguez. Adderlin, I want to call him Alderon, like Star Wars Rodriguez, because he's the forces with him. 
<laughs> yeah, he he's kicked around the minors. I guess he was with the Baltimore organization for a while. He was in Seattle's organization. Yeah. He's never played above Double A. He's a Dominican player. He's like six foot three with shoulders. This he looks like a a scaled down version of Fran Mil Reyes a little bit to me. Really? Well, just I mean, you look at the the guy's general proportions, and he's a strong looking dude. 27 years old. Plays a decent first base. Plays a decent first base. And he's quickly making me forget about Eric Hosmer. Well, he's quickly making me... Yes, exactly. God, <laughs> he's quickly making me forget about um, Alan Craig. You know? Yeah. And then we have Brad Zunica. We have we have uh, Kyle Overstreet in the first base. Like, we... He's 27. He's probably not going to go back to double-A. I well, wouldn't be surprised if he starts in, in El Paso. This is also a gross overreaction. Because we're looking at, what, like four games of spring training? Three when home runs. When he's coming in the second half of the game when the right, you know, the right. pitcher that's up there is a triple-A pitcher. Exactly. You know, so it's it's fun. See, it's ha- it's right. fun to get excited about this stuff and see the guy that you don't know and all of a sudden, holy cow, who's that guy that just hit the ball 400 feet? Yeah, it, this is all Manny Machado's fart. Fart. It's all his fault because now everything is elevated, and you're like, "Yes, right, yes." He's the Eric Owens of the Padres right now. Well, but if they can find a guy who's going to stay in El Paso or maybe in Amarillo, and he's going to perform well, and then at some point, Eric Hosmer comes up lame and his hammy's hurting him, and they need somebody to come up and play first base for two weeks, and then they got a guy that can you can plug him right in, yeah. and you don't miss a step, and. Yeah. That, that's nice. There's value to that. And I think that's what this guy ultimately would be if he had a role with the Padres. Yeah. But regardless, it's still fun to see this guy come up and know that he's a dangerous hitter. So now in the bottom of the seventh inning, you got a reason to keep watching the spring training game because here comes Adeline Rodriguez. Yeah. Well, you know what I love about watching the games? It's almost funner now to watch the last four innings because I'm like, oh yeah, I know that guy, Edward Olivares. Oh uh, yeah, here goes Potts. Oh, you know, and all these guys that we know, like in the years past, oh, okay, that's, oh, that's Luis Urias. Oh, okay. Who's that guy? Yeah. Who's that pitcher? Who's uh-huh. that? Everyone that comes in, we're like, oh, we know that guy. Oh, we know that guy. Oh, he's an on roster invitee. Like it, it's good. This last year has been a huge education for myself. Um, but it's just nice knowing that like the first guy that pitches we interviewed that guy. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> but there's also a lot more information available out there now than there yeah. was a couple of years yeah. ago even. Yeah. That they've got the rosters all published. It's a it's a I don't think people really paid attention to who the non-roster invitees were a couple of years ago until somebody started making noise. Where now when that announcement comes out, people write articles about it. Yeah. So God, we went right through our agenda. So right now we have coming up, we have Nick Kuja. Um, minor league pitcher coming up. We're going to be talking to him in a few minutes. Uh, we thought we'd be giving ourselves plenty of time to just uh, chat and hang out for a minute, but it is now 5.59. Well, that's all right. We'll chat afterwards. We'll chat afterwards. Well, we're going to be right back with Nick Kuja. Nick Kuja signed as a non-drafted free agent in 2017 out of University of Massachusetts Lowell, had a solid first full season of pro ball, split between Tri-Cities and Fort Wayne, Nick had 37 strikeouts in 38 innings and surrendered five earned runs in his last 15 and one-third innings. And he joins us here on Friars on the Farm. Nick, welcome. Hi, nice to be here. Fantastic. Hey, who's your roommates? Um, when I first got there, um, when I first signed, I was with Danny Sexton. Uh, um, and then moved around 
not there, but the next year I roomed with him, and then a couple guys got switched around. Um, Who are your roommates with... now? Now? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not there yet. Um, I'm flying tomorrow, but oh. right now. Oh, that's right. They've got the yeah. mini camp going on right now, right? That's right. Yeah, they're with the mini Yeah, so I'm flying in tomorrow. I find out. Um, I was actually texting my buddies to see if they, they knew anything, but – um, no, we don't. We're not sure yet. So, do, do you have to find your own accommodations, or do the, does the team kind of set you up with something? No, they set us up there. We uh, we get there and they pick us up and bring us to our hotel and check in or apartment or whatever it is, and kind of find out right there. All right. Well, I hope you get a roommate who's nice and quiet and not super messy, but still fun and all that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also hoping the same thing. <laughs> Hopefully, not a really loud snorer. Hey, so, no. are you going to bring your golf clubs? Uh, I really don't have room. I wish I could. Duh. But if I do go, I, I, we always find rentals or something if, if that course has them. It's not just the pro guys that, that you know, hit the links after practice. You know, you guys are done at like 3 o'clock. You know, maybe do some post stuff. But, um, okay, all right. So that's cool. So who was your team growing up? Uh, I was a big Red Sox fan. I still kind of am, but um, that was my team growing up. It's all right. You're allowed to be a Red Sox fan still. <laughs> yeah. We've been talking to a lot of California guys who are like, I grew up liking the Dodgers, and I grew up liking the Giants. Like, ah. So we, we reserve the right to give people a hard time Dude. about it, but, yeah. you know. It's okay. Whatever gets us into baseball. Hey, so you threw um, – so then you like – so you – your big guys are big poppy. You know my guy. You, uh, who are you, some of your players? Um, Growing up, I was a big fan of Dustin Pedroia. Um, I actually have a signed picture of him up on the wall. Um, but lately, a little before pro ball um, – I had uh, my favorite pitcher was Joe Kelly, who is now on the Dodgers. So uh, uh, we love Joe Kelly. Go. We love. And here's the thing about me and the Red Sox: they are now the new. I, you almost want to call them the new Evil Empire, but I still the Yankees are not my team anymore. Like I, as long as they can win over the Yankees, I don't care. I'm okay with whoever wins over the Yankees. That's, that's right. That's all matters. Even even now. Even now, and and this Yankees team is actually a lot less hateable than like the team I grew up watching crush. In exactly, the 90s. that's how I feel. Uh. <clears throat> All right, so you threw a new high, you threw a new hitter in high school. Yeah, I did. Uh, um, I think it was my senior year. Um, I didn't even know that I was throwing a no hitter until maybe the fifth inning. Um, I heard whispers in the dugout. People were shh, you know, like. Shushing people, oh, don't say anything. And I heard that as I, I didn't put it together. I'm like, well, guys, we're in a baseball game. We have to be quiet. Um, <laughs> then I kind of put it together. Um, and I, I went off and uh, finished those other two innings. Ended up actually, I gave up a run or two or something because of errors and drop balls, um, which kind of uh, made it seem like it wasn't even happening. Uh, but yeah, that was a good experience. I guess that takes some of the pressure off, right? You know, it's not a perfecto. Yeah, exactly. I think I walked the guy in the first inning or something, so that, that was out of the books. Well, you're focusing on winning the game. It's right. not just, oh, I got to stay perfect. Hey, uh, so were there yeah. any scouts in? Were there, is there anybody watching that game? What's that? Were there any scouts watching that game? Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't getting scouted out of high school. Um, I don't even think there was any college coaches there. It was during the high school season, so um, college coaches were probably busy. But, um, no, they're – I don't think any scouts ever came to any games. I was not of that uh, caliber in high school. All right. Well, you grew up in, in Seymour, uh, Connecticut. Did you find it hard uh, pitching in cold weather, getting warm, feel for the ball? Uh, playing in the cold wasn't the best. 
uh, especially baseball, but living in the Northeast, playing other sports. Um, I played soccer a lot, so that was um, a lot of uh, cold weather too. Um, but I didn't think it was hard, just the normal kid stuff. Like, oh, it's cold, or, you know, I got to get my hand warmers, or it's tough to get a grip on the ball, but it was it was always fun. Ah, interesting. And then you went to the University of Massachusetts, Lowell. Um, once again, I mean, did you – you guys are pitching. It's pretty damn cold in April there, so – how was that? It was, yeah, it was always freezing, especially going even more north. Um, one of, I think my sophomore year, Lowell actually had the most or the second most um, total snowfall that winter. Um, we didn't get on the field until after our first uh, first few trips actually coming back because uh, we shared the field with the Lowell Spinners, the uh, shore day for the Red Sox. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they, they kind of had that up until September, and all through the fall they did renovations and stuff. So, um, yeah, they wouldn't let us in the clubhouse until basically our uh, first home game. So we were practicing on turf, and they had to plow all that stuff, and we didn't have too many indoor facilities um, available. So, uh, yeah, it was a uh, little, little tougher times up there, but we made do with what we had, and as soon as we hit that, Baseball field down south, wherever we went, um, it was definitely a, a good good site. So, if I remember correctly, isn't isn't there something historic about the Lowell Spinners field? Isn't it like super old? Do you know anything about that? I, I don't know why, um, out, why did that come up to me. It does look kind of old. It's had some <laughs> renovations to it, um, but the Spinners, <laughs> the name comes from um, the the city of Lowell because it used to be a big mill town and. Um, women used to work in the mills and spin wool or something. Um, uh, they call them so, spinners. Yeah. So you took a long time to commit to University of Mass. So you took to college. What What was up with that? And the- um. So I wasn't getting any D one looks out of high school. My junior year uh, of high school in the summer, which was like the big showcase year, we get recruited and all that. Um, I was topping out at probably seventy seven or seventy eight miles an hour. Um, so. It's not a surprise. No Division One schools were looking at me. Um, I didn't understand why, but obviously now I do. Um, but um, so I was looking at a bunch of D3 schools, and then um, I was also looking at a junior college that my brother went to. Um, we had a relationship with that coach. Um, he was more than happy to have me there. So I kind of chose to go that route um, instead of playing Division Three. So I was going to play two years of JUCO and see what I could have done, see if I can go somewhere else and get a scholarship and uh, get my education paid for. And um, I had a summer showcase the summer after my senior year. Um, my travel team hosted it, and there was a bunch of colleges there. Um, that one, I was actually 84, 86 at that point. And the recruiting coordinator for UMass Lowell, um, he was actually the volunteer assistant at St. John's when they were recruiting my brother there. So he kind of knew the family. He knew him, he saw him, and then he saw me pitch there. Um, so he kind of saw the projectability there and uh, talked to me a little bit and, and had me up on campus, I want to say mid-July, something like that, or maybe it was June. Um, but they had me up there, and then a couple days later, he called back, and he's like, hey, what's going on? And, I said, "Hey, I'd like to go to your school." Nice. So, out of college, you weren't. He wasn't. You weren't drafted. Out of you weren't drafted. Obviously, non-drafted. You wouldn't play in the Cape Cod League. 
And then you didn't even get a pitch in. Did you get in one game before the uh, the area scout texted you and said, hey, you want to still get drafted? How did that go? <clears throat> um, That's also a funny story. So I went up. The draft went by. I didn't get drafted. Um, I had a temp in the cape with Wareham. Um, and after the draft went by, I texted the GM, hey, what's going on? Um, I'll be up whenever. So I get up there. And I was up there for two days, I believe. And the first day I just practiced and um, got to meet the coaches and all that. Um, and I saw the team and there was a good number of position guys and then probably 20 to 23 um, pitchers there. And I was kind of overwhelmed, like, when the hell am I going to pitch? Um, so uh, the next day went and then I threw another bullpen. They said, hey, you're not going to go on the, the trip for this game, but um, we'll see you tomorrow. Um and you go to the games and whatever, start that. And then the GM kind of called and said, uh, there's not really room for you here. Um, like, you can stay, but there's not going to be a lot of opportunity. Um, so I just went back to uh, the Sanford Mainers of the NECBL. Um, I played there this, the summer before. So I drove up to the Cape, did all that, and then I drove back down to Connecticut. Um then the next day, drove all the way up to Maine, Jesus. Um, back to my host family up there. And the first night after I unpacked all my stuff, I'm laying in bed. <laughs> that's when the that's when the, the scout texted me. Um, so that said, was hey, you still looking at sign. So you had a relationship with John Stewart, yeah? That was that's the area scout there in the Northeast, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I met him um, at Davidson. Uh, it was our third or fourth weekend. Uh, my junior year was the first time I met him, and then uh, he was kind of the most interested and the most um, communicative with me. Okay, so when they're communicative to you, they're like, okay, we'll talk to you later. You know, then <laughs> before the draft, do they not? So you're like, hey, we're, you know, we, we don't have room for you on our draft board, or like, we do they just not say anything? And then they come back to you, hey, you want to play ball? How does that work? You know, it, it seems like you have this relationship built with this guy, and then. You know, it's a great thing to be drafted, even if you're in the, like the 30th round or whatever. But you know, then for having to come back and text you and say, "Hey, you want to you want to play?" Talk about that. That's just it. it just it, it. When I read about that, I'm like, that just seems kind of weird. It was a great opportunity for you, absolutely. But it just seemed kind of weird how they like you. You're not getting drafted, so that's the last time you heard from him. Yeah. Um. So he was in contact with me a little before the draft. I uh, did one of their pre-draft workouts at George Mason or uh, George Washington. I'm sorry. Um, so I talked to him there. Um, he said, we'll be in contact, you know, between now and the draft. Um, and then I got a call from him. I believed the day before the draft kind of finalizing like, Hey, um, what's your expectations? What's your like final number, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we had that talk. And then during the draft, um, after day one, day one went by, um, that was fine. And then day two went by, um, and nothing happened there. And then he gave me a call after, um, also talking with my agent. Um, they're like, okay, we'll just be by your phone for tomorrow. Um, you know, we'll see how all that goes. Uh, but I'm going to work here for you. Um, cause they're, they're kind of on your side with right, right. where their area is and, and what their players are. Cause they obviously want their players to get picked, but, uh, in a room with, I don't know how many other scouts and they only have 40 rounds to pick. Um, they, they do what they can, I guess. Um, so it kind of got down toward the end and, uh, <clears throat> and that didn't happen. Um, I talked to my agent and 
he was like, hey, I'm still working for you. No, I'm sorry, it didn't work out. Um, but it's not the end. And I was kind of down in the dumps, obviously, because I was like, getting my big hopes up. And, yeah. you know, they're always saying, well, they still need free agents and all that. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, that's not as cool. But, um, you know, and then all that other stuff happened. And then he uh, he texted me about signing, and that got done in a couple days. So your brother Joe, he was also an undrafted free agent, right? Um, and he got, yes. he got, he got signed. Um, yeah, I don't know what the exact timeline is, but he got signed before you did, right? Is that a year or two yes. before? Yeah. He played a half, uh, a year and a half in indie ball. And then he signed out of, uh, before spring training two years ago, I believe. So watching him go through that whole process, did that kind of give you a little bit of insight or a little bit of, you know, something to believe in? Yeah. Um, I was hoping I didn't have to go the indie ball route. Um, just cause that's probably a little tougher and he's always had it kind of tougher. Um, he's had a rough road, but I kind of look at that and keep my head forward. Um, but knowing that whatever you get drafted first round, 40th round free agent, whatever, you still get a chance. Um, so I was just happy to get the chance. Well, and, and so we're going to stop there with the indie ball thing. So, uh, Robert Stock and his brother have a podcast called the Try Harder Podcast. And they talk about so, I mean, Robert Stock spent so much time in indie ball. His brother spent so many years in, in indie ball. His brother is a, uh, you know, he's an unemployed minor league free agent, which currently means he's unemployed. Um, but they talk about just how indie ball is just, you're one of so many people. It's like almost a, almost a bottom, bottom rung of any professional sports. If you ever get a chance, listen to the podcast. They've got like six episodes. They're really funny. Um, I don't know why we we pimp their podcast every time they come on <laughs> for various reasons. Um, it's just really interesting because they do. They talk about the dregs of the independent ball and like how you guys in the minor leagues, you know, you'll get, you know, like bologna sandwiches and like in indie ball, it's like, Whatever wasn't sold at the concession stand, like, and you got there first, like, there it is. <laughs> but that yep. story about how there were there were so many like twenty pitchers standing there, and it's like, okay, how am I going to get a chance? I mean, that must have been really discouraging when that happened, right? Okay. Sorry, can you repeat that? I cut out there. So when you that when you said that there was one time that there were a whole bunch of pitchers there, and it didn't seem like you were going to get an opportunity, that must have been super discouraging for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, my teammate from college was actually there. Um, he was on that team too. He reported. Uh, uh, so it was comforting knowing that he was there and I was talking to him. Um, but just in general, the size of the guys that were there, um, you could see him, whatever school gear they're wearing to the field or whatever it was. Um, I, I recognized a couple kids um, playing against them. Uh, so it was kind of a, a little nerve wracking um, and kind of an eye opener uh, to see how many guys actually are out there that are extremely good. Um, but I was sure happy to be there on, on the same level as them. So you, uh, so how important has it been having your brother being an organization? Do you guys work out during the off season? Do you guys throw together? <clears throat> yeah, we, uh, we work out in the off season. Um, we work out with, uh, our, our trainer at Nest sports performance. Um, Ned, we've been with him for, I've been with him for six or seven years. He's been with him four or five, um, kind of hopped on with me, but yeah, we train all off season from, you know, when we get back in September until we're ready to head out. Um, and he's more, he, he's a trainer, but he's also a really good friend. We become real good friends with him. So it's good having nice. him 
um, there for that. Um, and he's also Joe ends up being my throwing partner, my brother. Um, so it's good to have him here there for that. Um, he was actually in the fall league for a little while. So I kind of had to throw into a net or a wall or whatever I found for a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it, it's good having him, him around to, to throw with, to lift with, um, to bounce ideas off, um, to talk pitching, to talk anything after an outing if you don't even want to talk about pitching just like what do i do to get my mind off of something or whatever it is especially because he's been through it for a few years more than me that that sounds so lonely throwing a ball against the wall because your brother's not there <laughs> you do what you have to to get it done walk up boom <laughs> so some players are really superstitious do you have any weird superstitions uh i wouldn't say anything weird out of the blue um I think unconsciously, I always put my left shoe on before my right shoe. Um, and if, if I put my right one on first, then I have to take it off and put the left one on just because it feels extremely weird. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, I, I do the same thing. I go I go left sock, left shoe, right sock, right shoe. And I can't tell you how often I'll get halfway through that process and then something happens and I'm walking around with one sock and one shoe on. <laughs> so uh, I understand that. You have preference for numbers or anything like that? Um, not really for numbers, I guess college, I had 27. Um, I walked into the clubhouse one day and coach says, Hey, did I give you a number yet? I said, uh, no. He goes, how's 27 sound? I said, sure. As long as I have a number. True. So, uh, <laughs> There's 27 I, uh, outs. So if I've been riding it, 27 for a little while now, if, yeah. if you throw a complete game, that's 27 outs. Exactly. That's all I'm shooting for. So nice. speaking of numbers, I understand you're quite the golfer. What's your handicap? Oh, God. I don't know what my handicap is, but <laughs> I, I like to think I did get better this fall. I played played a pretty good amount, uh, probably the most I have in a single year um, this fall. But uh, You shoot in the 90s and the 80s? Yeah, generously. On a good day, I can shoot in the 90s. Okay. Usually, usually shooting for 100. <laughs> All right. But I'm I'm pretty tough on myself with the uh, penalties and drops and all that. Oh. It's an Integrity, honest man. Yeah, yes. honest man. Um, okay, so let's start talking baseball. Let's, uh, what 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 do you throw? What's your arsenal? Uh, I got uh, four seam, two seam uh, for my fastballs, and then I call it a curveball. Some catchers, coaches, and other players they call it a slider. Um, kind of slurvy. Um, and then I mix in a changeup sometimes, but but not really. So on that breaking ball, have you had a chance? I, these guys are getting into advanced um, technologies and stuff. Have you had a chance to analyze the spin on your pitches or anything like that? Um, I threw on a rap soda once in extended. Um, I took a peek at the numbers. I can't remember what they are now. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really into the uh, the numbers and all that stuff, spin axis and spin rate and all that. Um, I didn't get a chance to do any rap soda or pitch design stuff. Uh, this year, but uh, I'm kind of looking forward to trying it out next year. Real quick, for this offseason, did you did you have a job? Did you work? Are we able to focus on just baseball activities over in the offseason? <clears throat> um, so I ended up getting a job for January and February. Um, I helped out. I actually coached um, pitching over at the facility that I actually go throw at and do all my stuff in. Um, so I helped them coach a few days a week that night when I had some free time. So I was able to make, uh, make some money, but the main focus was uh, definitely lifting, eating, sleeping and throwing. That's gotta be tough finding a job just for a couple of months. Yeah. 
Yeah, I uh, actually sent in an application to Dunkin' Donuts. Oh. Never heard back from them, so I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, oh, we, we talked to somebody that had a winter job at UPS. Yeah, and they actually got a they actually got a promotion over the winter. Wow. Um, <laughs> God, yeah, I, I don't want to say who that was, but you, you maybe you'll be able to find that out. Hey, so what's your velo? Did you have you uh, since being drafted and being in the minor league system? Uh, you know, this last year, did you raise your velo on any? Um, last year I think my average velo was around ninety. Um. Some days it was a little lower. Some days it'd be up to 93, 94. Um, I know one time I hit 95 last year and extended, but that was uh, just one single time. But uh, this year I'm excited to see what it's going to be. Um, this off season I went through uh, and did a uh, weighted ball program that they wanted me to do. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, so I'm real excited about that. Um, my indoor uh mound velos were up so uh i'm just pumped to be back and get on a real mound with some cleats and some batters in the box and that smell like green grass so how long does it take to get like up to speed and you've been i know you've been working all winter long but i know guys come into spring training and they're at one spot and it takes a while for them to get like all the way ramped up yeah i started i started playing light catch i think in october just a couple days a week to keep the arm moving i don't like to completely sit and do nothing um with my arm for too long i take september off and then start it up a little bit but um i've been going i mean i've had a few bullpens a few weeks of bullpens and ramping it up there but uh once you get to spring training you kind of got to be ready right from the get-go you get two or three bullpens and then it's right into games and uh you only get a couple weeks of games to to kind of prove yourself and earn that spot well you know it's been uh, you haven't missed much in spring training getting there earlier, even the mini camp. It has been raining. <laughs> it has been raining cats and dogs there uh, the past couple of weeks. I mean, they've gotten some games in this last week, but the week before there was just, it was just every day was raining. They couldn't even throw bullpens. So your first year with the Padres, um, you spent the whole year in Arizona, right? You didn't get to get a chance to leave the complex. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was in uh, Arizona league. And then last year you finally got to break out. Um, yeah. How, how is the mental side of that being in, in the complex, watching, watching other guys take off and then having to sit back and kind of wait for your opportunity? That's kind of the toughest part. They even warn you in spring training, um, you know, guys are going to go up and down. Don't worry about that. Don't try to play GM, you know? Um, but it's kind of hard just like anyone else at their job. If the guy next to him gets a promotion, um, you're kind of sitting there saying, well, what do I have to do to, to kind of get the same thing? Um, but no one's really in the know. So um, it was tough watching other people go up and I'm still kind of day by day. And then a week goes by and another week goes by and, you know, I'm still here. This is basically the lowest level, but you know, you got to start somewhere. Um, but that was kind of a, a little motivation to me in, in the next off season um, or my first off season, I should say, um, I don't want to go back to the Arizona League. I yeah. definitely don't want to go back there. Um, do whatever you have to do. Oh, that's funny. Get you're, out of there. And you're pitching in front of a couple of, couple of scouts and maybe some straggler people that just happen to, happen to buy. So exactly. I'm, I'm looking at the teams that you played with in 2017 and 2018, and it looks like you followed a similar track to Dan Dallas. Did you spend a lot of time around him? Um, yeah. Uh, I met him. 
he was on the other Arizona League team, and I didn't really, we didn't really, uh, the two teams didn't like do anything together or whatever. Um, I actually met some people the next spring training. Um, one of my good friends now, uh, Corey Anderson, he was on the other team, and he was my exact number. And I don't, I didn't recognize him or, or know him or anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time with Dan. Um, he was in Tri Cities with uh, with me a lot. Um, he had a killer year there too. Um, but you, you kind of find whoever's in your hotel or near you, or uh, you know who wants to go grab food or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, I spent time with Dan Dallas. He's a good guy. So you pitched. So looking at the game logs, you pitched in April, but then skipped. All of May. Do I have that right? Yeah. Um, I was in extended spring training. Um, after spring training, I didn't break with the with a full season club. Okay. So I was in extended for a little bit. Um, I was pitching really well down there. Um, not to brag, but I was actually kind of surprised at my own self. Um, but I was pitching really well down there, and uh, I got called into the office, and uh, they said, hey, you're going to go to Fort Wayne tomorrow. I said, okay, packed my bags, and I went up there. Uh, You're like, you going to give me a car I went rent? <laughs> Did they yeah, I, I got <laughs> right out of there. Nice Arizona weather. Got to, uh, I believe it was Great Lakes where I arrived, and it was kind of rainy. And the Great Lake Loons, yeah. But uh, but I got up there. I pitched in the second or third game I was there or something. Um, took a bus trip to uh, who's the Reds. I can't remember. The Dragons. That's the uh, that's the Dayton Dragons. No, Dayton. Dayton there you go. Dayton yeah, Dragons, I yeah. took a uh, took a bus trip to Dayton, and then after that game, um, I basically took a bus trip all the way there to just to catch a flight right out of the closest airport. Um, so they sent me back to extended there, and then I was there until uh, Tri City started. Well, dude, and, and well, so the reason why I went to because if you I watch those games on MILB TV, and like. They'll introduce their player, and then they'll have that little loon sound. Like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They play that way too much. Uh, <laughs> well, also Don- uh, Donovan's already played that way too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, also, I mean, uh, Austin. They had Austin Allen. I remember Austin Allen a couple of years ago was 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 playing for uh, for uh, Fort Wayne, and they'd be like uh, Austin Allen, and then. There were guys who go, Alan, there's like a video or there's like an audio clip of them going, Alan, 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 oh, Alan, that's right. Alan. It's, it's a it's a marmot or a prairie dog or something. Is it? Okay. Yeah, that was that was like a meme that went around the internet. They do all kinds of crazy stuff to get in your guys' heads. Um, oh yeah. So you spent a lot of time in Oregon and Washington. Uh, did you find any uh, any favorite spots up there? I lived in Oregon for about eight years. Um, favorite spots. I had a favorite spot in mind that I wanted to check out. Um, I wanted to try out Voodoo Donuts. Oh, it's um, so good. I'm a big, big donut guy. Um, and uh, my girlfriend actually uh, texted me and said, hey, Voodoo Donuts is out there. You got to try it. You got to try it. Um, but uh, never got around to doing it. I think we were at uh, Eugene and it was close to there. Um, but we were, I think I was going to go the next day and I ended up, that's when I ended up flying to Fort Wayne or something. I missed out on it. Um, oh, bummer. Hell yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I won't take Voodoo Donuts. To go to that's Fort about Wayne. the only trade off right there. Dude. Well, uh, when you wind up in, in Lake Elsinore, hopefully this coming year, uh, maybe I'll bring you a donut. I'd love that. <laughs> I don't know Dude. if I can find one of the Fruit Loops or anything or bacon on it like they do at, uh, at Voodoo Donut. Have you seen what they do at Voodoo Donuts? No, but the, we have a donut. I've seen their Instagram. We have a couple. We have a couple donut bars down here in San Diego that 
we can get up there. Yeah, well, they copied what Voodoo did, and it's ridiculous. People's the line goes around the block to get donuts at Voodoo. Do- it's a it's a whole thing. Yeah, I don't I don't stand in line for food. <laughs> I'm in I'm in food service, so like if 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 I gotta stand in line, I'll go somewhere else. I don't I don't wait. Donovan also <laughs> gets hangry. Yes, very hangry. Hey, so how do you attack hitters? How do you like to go after hitters? Kind of switching gears there. Oh uh, yeah, you did really. Uh... Donuts hitters. <laughs> um, attacking hitters. Uh, I like to think I go right at them. Sometimes it's ball one. Sometimes strike one. Um, I don't know about starting them. It, it's kind of whatever the the plan is for um, their weaknesses or whatever. But uh, once once I get into a, a two strike count or any pitcher's count, um, I like to work to my strengths and. Uh, Definitely like watching people strike out with a, with a nice curveball. Yeah. So, did you work with any of the any of the catchers there in Fort Wayne that really helped you? Kind of like through, you know, like with game plans. Yeah, with and... game plans and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> um, the the uh, I remember the last game, uh, Fort Wayne. I pitched uh, maybe three plus innings or something. Um, I threw to Chandler Siegel, um, and I had thrown to him plenty of times before and extended um, a lot in Tri-Cities. Um, I have a good relationship with him, so um, I kind of just felt comfortable with him behind the plate. Um, I know that, that he does his homework on the hitters, um, and he does a really good job back there, so um, I kind of work with him and just just trust what he calls, and if I if I think I have something better in mind, uh, I shake him off, and he respects that, um, but, but definitely have a good relationship with him. So you got a lot of confidence in that curveball. Um, can you tell us anything about your grip or how you've learned to develop that pitch? Um, yeah. So I remember probably the first time I threw it was in middle school, like Babe Ruth or something. Um, those laces were huge, and I gripped it like a two-seam. Um, I wish I had a ball with me. Like, oh, I do. Hold on one second. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I had it like a two seam, like you would have it here. And this lace on the middle finger used to be huge on those Babe Ruth balls. So I just cupped the thing like that and would yank down as hard as I could on it. And when you're 13 or 14, you throw a rainbow curveball. Right. And you think, wow, that's nasty because it moves so much. <laughs> so I just kept throwing it like that. And then, um, Growing up, I've heard other pitching coaches tell you, you know, grip it on the horseshoe or opposite the horseshoe. And I, I tried those, and it was never really that good. So um, probably late late high school and then into into college, I kind of found that grip back again. I said, let me just mess with that middle school grip again. Um, so I did that, and uh, that's still how I throw it. I, I take it, I grip it hard, and I snap as hard as I can. Do you, do you keep your – I see you have your index finger lifted up off it a little bit. Um, do you keep your finger down or is your finger up off the pitch, the ball a little bit? No, I keep that down, but I keep most of the pressure, um, right on this middle finger. And then I have the thumb cupped under, underneath no space in between. Um, yeah, you got it choked in there. So I can still good. throw it hard. Um, but it ends up, it's like probably 77 to 80, somewhere around that area. Um, but I still throw that as hard as I can try to get the most break on it. Nice. Well, all right. How do you like coming out of the bullpen? You know, it, it's funny that everyone starts as a starter. Everyone's drafted or everyone, you know, comes up to high school and college as a starter. Um, how do you like coming out of the bullpen? Uh, right now, I love it. It's a It was a change. 
like you said, most guys come as a starter in college. Um, my junior year, I was a starter. Um, I went from the day one starter to, to day three and then into the bullpen. Um, I was kind of having a little up and down year. Um, but once I went to the bullpen, I kind of, I think I found my home kind of, I had a really good year out of bullpen there. Um, I think some scouts saw that and said, Hey, he's much better bullpen pitcher than a starting pitcher. Um, but I kind of, I kind of like the, uh, now in pro ball, it's like, Hey, they call your name and you got to be up in less than a minute. You got to be ready. Um, so that, that adrenaline rush definitely, definitely helps not to, to get in my own mind as a starter, you know, have your whole hour routine before the game. Then you get to the game, you get away from the national anthem and, just all that time to get in your own head. But as a reliever, you call your name and you got to be ready. So when you're working out in the off season or on your days off, do you have a hard time um, working that intensity back up so that you're practicing that same <clears throat> level of, uh, of, of intent with your pitches? Um, yeah, sometimes it is hard. Um, I, I kind of get that natural adrenaline. If anybody else is around watching the bullpen or whatever, I kind of, hype myself up in my mind like oh they're watching even if they're not watching but they're watching you they're watching you <laughs> don't let them down even if they're joe schmo you never even met um but uh when you're alone if you're lifting alone or throwing alone or whatever it's tough to get into that intensity but you got to find a way to to uh psych yourself up there because sometimes you'll feel real alone on that mound but there'll be you know thousands of people watching you and it, it's kind of tough you got to get into that mindset to uh get yourself back in shape so this winter, did the Padres give you anything particular to work on, whether it's uh, working on different pitches or working on different parts of your, like, training, body, anything like that? Um, weight gain was one. Um, that came from the, the sports performance trainers. Um, just, you know, get in shape, obviously, um, just like everyone else. But for me, weight gain was a big one. And uh, the pitching coordinator told me uh, he wanted me – to do weighted ball program, which I ended up doing. Um, but they were hoping my velocity went up, and uh, I hope it does. Uh, but the weighted ball program, I did uh, the, the driveline stuff um, right from there, um, and I'm real excited to see those results. So th those were two two big things to focus on, and I think I did a, a pretty good job hammering those out this year. Were you working with people from driveline for that? Yeah, I did the remote training, so – I kind of sent them an assessment that I had done over here and they looked at that and then prescribed the throwing um, that they give out there. And you're assigned a trainer who actually, the guy who I had actually knew my pitching coach from college um, who introduced me to driveline. Um, so it was good having that relationship. Um, and I still talk to him, obviously um, bouncing some ideas off of him too, but uh, yeah. Man, that's amazing that they can do all that stuff from thousands of miles away. That's uh, pretty cool. And driveline guys are just so goddamn, they're so good. You know, they're just, it's incredible. It's, it's revolutionizing just, oh, it's the re game, really. Absolutely. That and Pitching Ninja. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, let's, um, let's, let's, we're going to see out of here in a minute here. We got a lightning round to throw at you. We got a lightning round to throw at you. All right. Hit me. Okay, all right. Ready? So, what's your dream golf course? Oh boy, uh, Pebble Beach. Uh, I got a chance to play that one one time. It, it's beautiful. Uh, who would be your uh, dream? Uh, was it couple? A foursome or foursome? Yeah, yeah. Pick anybody you could play with. Yeah. Um, probably Ricky Fowler. Fowler. Um, just just to have a, a professional golfer there. Um, 
my trainer who I actually golf with would be funny because he is absolutely hilarious on the golf course. He gets them done. <laughs> um, uh, and you got to fill that fourth in. Uh, uh, probably classic Tiger Woods. All right, classic okay. Tiger classic, Woods. Not today, Tiger Woods. Classic Tiger Woods. All right. <laughs> I live uh, my 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 job real quick on a side note. Where where I work at a university, uh, UCSD is right down the street from Torrey Pines. So once a year, it's it's just a nightmare to go to work for about four days. Okay. Oh man. Maybe, maybe you can come out here after instructs if they do that prospect game again. You can get out there to Torrey. That'd be awesome. Oh, dude, absolutely. I'd love to. Dude, absolutely. <clears throat> All right, Chowder Manhattan or New England? Um, New England. I'm from New England. I almost had to give you back ten New England card. If I wasn't, if I didn't play baseball, I'd be a. Oh. Uh, I know it's lightning. It's supposed to be quick, but I don't know. Yeah, when you were you, um, did you have a major declared when you were studying? Yeah, I was doing finance. Okay, and are you still continuing that? Are you pursuing that education at all? Is that not something you have an opportunity to do right now? Yeah, I've been taking online classes uh, in the fall, kind of banging out a couple. Um, I've got two left that I'm going to finish next fall. Nice. Still still working toward the same major? Yep. Yeah, working on finishing that. So I guess you could say, I don't know, stockbroker or financial advisor. I was going to say, yeah. Do you have any, what, do you have any, you have any ponies on the stock market right now? I do. Yeah, I have some. Nice. Well, I'm not going to tell you. Oh. <laughs> So I think the answer is if I didn't play baseball, I'd be rich. Right. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't exactly. Be. <laughs> um, songs that – the most embarrassing song in your playlist? Um, Breaking Free High School Musical. Oh! oh I don't wow. even know what that is. It's got to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> you got to look it up. All right, dude. Uh, song you used to get pumped? Um, probably anything by T. Grizzly. All right. I'll have to look T. Grizzly up. Right. You're talking to two old people here. <laughs> right. Is that is that country? That is not country. Okay. That's it's not, rap. That sounds like a hip hop artist, yeah. Yeah. You ever have like you ever have a baseball nightmare in your dreams? Like, ah. Like you're on the um, you're on your mound I've, I've lived two nightmares. I, I've given up back to back home runs twice in my life. Oh, you've lived the nightmare. It's a real life nightmare. Oh my yeah. god. Uh waffle or pancakes? Pancakes, hundred percent. Oh, that's a that's a confident answer. All right, I got one last one. Uh in and out or five guys? Five guys is not even a debate. I've already had it with plenty of people. I've run a Twitter poll. It's five guys, a thousand percent. Wow. Oh. Okay, so you you had you just tweeted this the other day. The all the little trick ping pong uh, trick videos you had that on YouTube. Yeah, I did those when I was a little kid. Like after school, instead of going to play video games or whatever, did my homework and then went and did some ping pong shots. I don't know why. I just watched YouTube videos of those. I said, ah, I think I'm gonna make my own. So I got a little tripod, little video camera, and kind of made my own little video. And that's the bummer is because they just had that. They just brought in the Connect Four basketball thing, which Prowler is a, it is a huge oh, basketball have guy. Have you seen that, what they're doing it, with the big league guys? So yeah, last, I saw that picture with it. <laughs> there was a video of it, and it was like it was chaos. You see like three or four guys shooting at a time. 
But they used to have a ping pong tournament. And that's when, when I tweeted him, like, dude, you got to let these guys know that you play ping pong. Because during the 40, uh, the 30, uh, 30 clubs in 30 days, both Myers and Hosmer said, ping pong player. All right. All right. So, hey, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time, Nick. Um, we covered pretty much covered everything, man. Yeah, thank this you so awesome. much for coming on our show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was real fun. That was cool. Yeah. Nick. He had a strong take about five guys. You do without right. There was no questioning his opinion about five guys over in and out. Yeah, he's such a East Coast dude. Apparently he's had that argument several times people have asked him oh what yeah. do you think about in and out have you had a chance to try in and out he's nope doesn't not hold a candle to five guys in his opinion Dude, and i like five guys i like in and out i whichever is near like i'm not going to drive any farther i'm not going to drive a five i'm not going to drive by a five guys to get to an in and out well but you can drive through it in and out yeah and five guys you got to walk in and it takes them they takes them a little longer to make your burger because it's made fresh well but i mean in and out's made fresh they there's a army of kids in the in and out and i'm a big in and out fan i love mm-hmm. in and out I, I i i have no opinions on either or i love food so i'll eat both of them like whichever one's closer i'll do i'm i i vote in and out i love in and out west coast boy that's right what's <laughs> that what the hell <laughs> um uh, and also well five guys you're gonna have peanuts and then i like the really burnt peanuts where you just eat the whole damn thing so I love, that's what I love about Five Guys. You mean like shell and all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When it's like dark, burnt. The burnt ones. Oh, yeah. It's like a burnt sunflower seed or when you get the like little uh, sunflower seed stems. That's disgusting. In a bag. Not, not if you grow up poor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you're a, you're a chef? Yes. It doesn't mean I can't be an animal. But burnt is the one flavor that you can't, you can't, uh, you can't account for in a meal. Right. I burn microwave popcorn, not on purpose, but I get the maximum amount of kernels in a, in a bag of microwave popcorn. I don't mind it being a little burnt. That's disgusting. I have weird taste. <laughs> um, but he was really cool. I, I, yeah. I liked, you know, he's, he's a bullpen guy, you know, and uh, he loves being in the bullpen. Everyone, like we said during the interview, everyone starts as a starter. But um, yeah, but he likes that adrenaline rush yeah. that, oh, it's go time. Get warmed up. And it almost sounds like the 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 time that it takes for a starter to go through the routines. And you got the national anthem and OK, you got your warm up pitches and you go that he, he doesn't care for that. Yeah. He likes the just you can turn and burn. Yeah. Get ready. Go get hot and go. Holy cow. I gotta yeah. Go. Um, that was dude. He's just he was really cool. And for him taking out the time. Uh, where, okay, so what do we got coming up? So one, he'd mentioned um, uh, indie ball. Yeah, that his brothers played played indie ball. He thought that he was going to wind up having. I guess he he all he almost in the almost, league. Yeah. Um. So I saw Baseball America um, announced that the American the, or the Atlantic League, which is an an independent league, has reached an agreement with Major League Baseball, and they're going to be like an experimental test bed for some potential rule changes and equipment. It said and equipment and equipment. So I think they're going to start doing the Robo Ump. Yes, I saw that. Okay, so they're installing TrackMan equipment in all eight Atlantic League ballparks. Yeah. It's so there. I guess there's a version of TrackMan that not only tracks the ball's velocity, the batted ball, but also the positions of 
all the players. So when you see those plots of like what happened on a defensive play and you see where each defender ran, they won't have that capacity, but it will have uh, pitch data and batted ball information. Um, but they're talking about potentially moving the mound back or and or lowering the mound. Um, and, and they're also talking about using TrackMan to call balls and strikes. Yeah. So the RoboUmp. And so they can't try these things out in affiliated ball, like in the independent or the Arizona Fall League or anything like that. Right. These changes affect the gameplay too much. But in independent ball, they can at least try them and see how they work. Well, and that's weird because the guys in independent ball that you will hear through the various uh, episodes we've done today, uh, these guys are trying to make it back to the big leagues. And our our very own Robert Stock Mm -hmm. is a legend in in indie ball. Yeah, uh, per our sources, and I would. It's weird how I guess if you want to play ball, it's like the 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 piper calls the tune. Well, but he who pays the piper calls the tune. There may be an incentive now for people to go try to get into the Atlantic League because that track man data is there. Okay. And so if a pitcher can stand out because of their velocity or their spin rate or something like that, the track man data will show that, and that's going to be available to all of the major league ballparks. So, um, scouting. I've seen some articles lately that teams are they're thinning out their scouting staffs because now they can use the data more. They can rely on the data and they don't have to have scouts actually putting eyes on every game anymore. Right. So now you've got an independent league that you've got data that is scoutable from afar and they might be able to identify people that wouldn't have an opportunity otherwise. Right, slip through the cracks. Okay, all right. Nice, very positive spin on that. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, and I, I I wonder how or what that's gonna affect in Major League Baseball. Well, you know, I would they're certainly they, having the pitch. Well, they have the pitch clock right now in spring training. They're, yeah, they're trying that in spring training. I guess the commissioner has the authority to institute that in Major League Baseball if he wants to, and there's negotiations going back and forth with the players association, and they're you know trying to work some things out on what changes they want to bring in. For the 2019 season, which blows my mind that we're like a month away from opening day. Thank God. And they're still talking about potential rule, rule, changes. rule changes. Right. You'd think that that would all be hashed out by now, but it's like they're dangling this. Oh, we might make you have a pitch count, pitch clock. Dude, and yet it takes, what, three years for you to get a new uniform change? Is that Yeah. God <laughs> damn, dude. That's why they can't bring back the brown for the 50th anniversary. Right. We've got to uh, wait for the 51. And here's the thing about spring training is is like as fun as it is to watch these guys hit, um, Luis Urias is still batting zero. Yeah, he hasn't got a hit yet. Yeah. Um, and so if 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 there's ever a, a time to go like spring training stats don't matter, it's that he hasn't got a hit yet. <laughs> um, and that's okay. But Tatis has two bombs, and we're seeing some of that. Oh, and Adderlin Rodriguez has three. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Who's giving uh, first base AAA a run for his money? No, screw that. He's giving Eric Hosmer a run for his money. Yes. <laughs> Who will start tomorrow? I believe Eric starts tomorrow. Uh, did he start today? I don't think he did. No, I, I saw that um, um, Kinsler was in the game today. Yeah, I think Hosmer and Myers are in tomorrow. Okay. Well, in the meantime, you can find me at Zippy underscore TMS. And you can find me at... S.D. Donovan, S-D-O-S-D-D-O-N-A-V-A-N. And that's your spelling bee for this week. Spelling bee. Go Padres. Go Padres.